0: Welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I am Katie Langston.
1: And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker.
0: And today on the podcast, we have a wonderful, delightful guest, uh, a good friend of both Catherine's and mine, Sarah Hinlicky Wilson. Sarah is the associate pastor at Tokyo Lutheran Church. And she's a systematic theologian. She's an author, an ecumenist, a publisher uh, at Thornbush Press is her uh, new independent uh, Christian press. And we are just delighted to have you with us, Sarah. Welcome.
2: I'm so excited. I love podcasting, and I love podcasting with my favorite ladies. So, is... <laughs> it's a and good time. we
1: should mention that Sarah has her own podcast. Oh yes, Queen, Queen of the Sciences. So head on over there for more uh, theology delivered in a really accessible way.
0: Yes, I listen to it every week. So so it's a favorite. Um, So today on uh, the podcast, we have a listener submitted question. And again, listeners, you can submit your own question on our website at enterthebible.org. At the very top, there's a little button that says, ask a question. You click that, it takes you to a form. You can submit it anonymously if you'd like, and we'll try to answer it uh, on the show. We do read everyone that comes in and try to answer as many as we can. Uh, and I was personally pretty moved by this question. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk about it. Um, our writer says hi. I'm a believer and I love the Lord, but lately I feel so disconnected. I feel nothing. I don't know where to start. I'm reluctant to start because I never follow through. Where should I begin? I want to be victorious this time in completing what I've started. Thanks for your time. And in this question, I feel... <laughs> Someone right who wants to be close to God, who wants to be uh, spiritually on fire, but finds themselves in a bit of a some doldrums, I guess, some spiritual doldrums, and uh, was reaching out for a little bit of help. So I'm 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 excited to be able to to talk about this one because I think we've all been there.
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah. Thank you for your honesty, the listener who uh, submitted that. I, as Katie said, I think we've all felt this at times so um so sarah
0: what should we do <laughs> <laughs> what do we do when we feel disconnected and we're discouraged and we want to start but then we don't want to start yeah and
2: we don't want to fail again what do we do yeah yeah i've been there too listener uh if you're out there uh, there are times when you're just really dry and um so Ideally, you'd have a pastor because that's why we actually have living pastors and communities, because that way, I mean, every there's like these trends and patterns that are common to all of us, and yet each story is really unique and individual. So all we can really do is pick apart here what you've said and try to like kind of get behind the story and reconstruct it. So I'm going to do my best. I might be getting this, you know, wrong in some ways, but I hope that, um, at least you take some encouragement from this and others who are in similar positions can as well. So I guess the, the place I I'd start is to just say, this person sounds to me like a victim of American religion. (laughs) Um, American religion is, has a fascinating history and there's a reason why it turned out the way it did, but it can be really damaging. And the first observation I'll just make is that the main, the main noun subject, pronoun subject is I, Hmm. and so implicit in that is this idea that it's up to you, listener, you're the I here, it's your problem and you have to fix it. And you've probably gotten that from American religion and American culture, which, at its worst is hyper individualistic and isolates people and makes it seem shameful to need other people's help. Now I'm not anti, you know, individual or anti, you know, following your own calling. I've seen other cultures where the individual person is totally suppressed and submerged in the, in the collective. But American religion and culture tends to go to this other extreme at its worst, which just is, makes you so alone. And then if you fail, if you don't generate the right feelings, religious or otherwise, or you don't you know, claim the victory for yourself, then you know what do you do? It's shameful to admit to help. So I guess the first thing I would say is it isn't about the I. <laughs> um, you are a Christian. You've therefore been placed first of all in a relationship with a God who loves you and chose you and called you, and He is the active pronoun noun subject of every sentence. And then secondly, that Lord put you. In a church, like whether you like it or not, or know it or not, if you're a Christian, you are part of the church, which means you don't have to do any of this alone. So that I guess that's the first thing I really want to emphasize both as a little like pushback corrective, but also some encouragement to not feel so isolated. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that that's really helpful uh, when you said uh, God put you in a church and that's good news and bad news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Often. I've had some good that's... news churches and some bad news churches myself. So
1: yeah, because sometimes, you know, it would be really nice if it was just Jesus and me, but I have to deal with you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not you Thanks a lot, Catherine. Sure. sure.
1: Sure, I see how it is, <laughs> and you have to deal with me, right? Like right. that's that's yeah, that's that's an issue. But at its best, or even at its imperfect uh, state, the church is a gift, right? Uh, together, we are the body of Christ, and so I would just echo what you said, so that hopefully this person has a church, has a pastor, has a community that can support uh, her in her. Um, in her time of dryness or, or the dark night of the soul, right? That's often the phrase used. And and I would also add that saints through the ages have felt this as well, right? I mean, everyone, for, you know, Martin Luther, Mother Teresa, right? I, I remember after Mother Teresa died and and uh, her diaries were discovered or read, you know, and there were these, these reporters who were like, um, you know, I can't believe that she, that she doubted, had times of doubt or despair, you know, and it's like, no, that's, that's encouraging, right? That even someone who's so saintly, who's so giving of herself, who's such a light of Christ also went through these kinds of dark nights of the soul, right? Where she felt disconnected from God.
2: Mm,
1: So you're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah.
0: I want to share a couple of things um, from my own experience so on the one I, I absolutely agree with everything that you know sarah and Catherine, what you both said about finding a church and also having had an experience in some abusive churches i would say find a healthy church <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes so any like a, a church that's coercive or a church that is like shamey or a church that's oppressive um uh you know we're totally
2: success oriented that only wants religiously aspirational and successful people to be part of it right
0: yes any of those things like like you know run run away um and <laughs> and and find a and find it seriously find a healthy community because yeah. yeah yeah because we can be badly damaged in unhealthy or oppressive churches yeah. um and, and and so i say that coming from my experience, right, as, a, as an ex-Mormon person. Um, but, but the other thing that I, I want to, if I may, just share a story, like share a personal story from my life. So I came out of a not-so-healthy church and had a lot of, um, you know, shame and anxiety and kind of negative um, associations with church felt bad about myself a lot, didn't think that I was like living up to things, wasn't worthy of the blessings of, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit or God's blessings in my life. Um, And for a very long time after I kind of began extricating myself from this tradition, even until the point true confessions that I was in seminary and was like on the one hand sensing a call to ministry and was pursuing all these things like even then I kept my distance from God um, quite quite purposely right I did not want to pray and I didn't pray for a very long time for many years like very rarely prayed I guess I should say um I think because I was worried that you know God wouldn't be gracious to me but would go back to being the mean God that I'd grown up with and so I didn't want to get too close um and what and then at a certain point something changed and it wasn't anything that I did or didn't do there was just a moment over a a a period of of a few months where things began to change. And all of a sudden, I felt as if I was being drawn into prayer. Mm-hmm. So whereas before I couldn't pray at all, there was, there was a very intense period of time. This was actually Catherine. This was the summer that I was um, deciding whether or not to be baptized. Catherine mm-hmm baptize me here. So It's a book. Sarah published it. So (laughs) there you go. There's a book about it. But anyway, so it was that summer that I was discerning whether or not to be baptized. I felt just compelled to pray Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as if I couldn't do anything but pray. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt very much as if what I, what I read later in, um, Sarah Coakley, who's a favorite theologian of mine, what she kind of calls like the Trinitarian prayer where, you know, where in Romans eight, it talks about the Holy spirit praying in us. We don't know how to pray, but the Holy spirit prays in us. So the whole, like God, the spirit is praying in us to God, the father, in order to conform us into the image of God, the son, right? This is the kind of prayer that we're like caught up into the life of God. And I had an experience of that. Um, that was deeply transformative that was very healing all of these things and later looking back and reflecting on this experience I don't I don't look at it as if God was distance from me when I couldn't pray and then God was like all right I'll go get her <laughs> if I have to if I have to but instead I think I needed some space for healing. I needed, right. Yeah. God was there the whole time. Mm -hmm. And also God gave me a break because God knew that I needed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when I was prepared it, God, so God did the action in all of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Even when I didn't know it, Even when I blamed myself for like being distant from God or being afraid of God or whatever it was, that was God doing that whole thing. And so I think it's okay if you're feeling like reluctant or disconnected or you don't know what to do or whatever, like I would say, stop, take a deep breath. And let yourself feel what you feel and be where you are. Because no matter where you are, you're okay. Because no matter where you are, you have, as a Christian, have been claimed by God already. It's done. You say, I want to be victorious this time. Guess what? You're already victorious. The victory is already yours. Jesus already did it. It's already done. Amen.
2: She's a preacher.
0: She I love a that. Preacher. She is a It's preacher. already done. It's and already so done. Give yeah. yourself a break, right? Take a deep breath and just start paying attention, right? That's what, I, that's what I say to people. I work with a lot of people that are like badly damaged by church. I say, just pay attention. Where do you feel something is it in a mu- Is it in music? Is there a particular friendship? Is there a, you know what I mean? Is there a project? And then just try that and see what happens and then see what else comes up and then try that and see what happens. But know deep down that there's no, you're not at risk. You're not at risk because you've already been saved by the grace of Jesus. It's already done. hmm
2: that was amazing, Katie. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I'm just wonderful. And I, I think what's so important here is that it's easy to believe if you live in a victory oriented Christianity that a dry spell is your failing and when you are in a dry spell, even if you're not in a victory oriented community, like no one likes a dry spell, no one likes feeling spiritually dead inside. But what we see from the witnesses of the saints, and uh, I count Katie as one of those saints, is that often the dry spell itself is the gift of God. Mm-hmm. And it could be that the dry spell is just giving you space, like in your case, Katie, to recover from abusive religion. And you just, and God is like, it's okay, the spirit is still praying for you when you don't have any prayers yourself. And it could also be that the dry spell is God saying, you know what? You don't get to instrumentalize me anymore. You don't get to utilize religion in order to accomplish your own worldly goals we're going to take a break from that and it's not going to work for you and eventually like you said Katie you'll see that the victory is already mine and you don't have to work for it and then there'll be a chance to go forward again but sometimes we just we need as it happens and this has happened to me after a first pastoral call that was extremely painful you know i just shriveled up inside it was terrible And, you know, a lot of good came out of that extremely painful experience for me personally, I did a lot of growing up spiritually and emotionally and just life. (laughs) And I never ever would have chosen that period of my life. But it was something that, you know, they intended for evil, but God intended for good, you know, but Joseph only discovers that in chapter 50 at the long end of the story, not in any of the previous terrible situations of being betrayed by his brothers or sold into slavery or in in prison when he's, you know, unjustly accused and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's probably the last thing you wanted to hear, dear listener, but bless God for the dry spell and just, just wait, it will be okay. I that
1: yeah beautiful testimony, Katie, and and great advice, Sarah. I, I want to add. I, so I have not had that experience of being oppressed uh, by the church, or or which I thank God for. I, I mean, I did grow up in a church that doesn't ordain women, so um, maybe I understand a bit of that. But um, but I I have by and large had really good experiences with church communities. And I think about um, a story that was told me about some, uh, a faculty person, a a professor here at Luther Seminary, where I teach, uh, who went through this kind of dry spell too. And I I don't remember his name, I don't even remember what he taught, but he survived World War II, right? And he Hmm. He was in Europe. He, he came to the United States after World War II. He survived World War II and never lost his faith. And then, you know, as happens, his wife died uh, in, in older age, right? Uh, and that's what that's what pushed him into that kind of dark night of the soul, right? Where he where he um, he lost his faith or felt like he lost his faith. And he went to the president of the then president of the seminary and he said, I don't think I should teach theology anymore because I've lost my faith. And the president said, you're still going to teach. He said, you're gonna get through this. And and if you can't believe now, uh, even if you can't believe now, the community will hold you up in prayer until you can believe again, right? Hmm. So it's that, at its best, right? At its best, the church community can be that, that kind of, walking alongside and praying for and supporting those who are going through this kind of experience until they can believe again, until they can feel again. Now, again, it's faith is given as a gift. The victory is already ours through Jesus Christ, as Katie so beautifully said. Um, But that, you know, until we can feel that again, then the community is able to, to walk with us in that time and believe for us and with us. So... At least that's the hope for yeah. a church community. Even acknowledging that churches are made up of sinful human beings, so it doesn't always work that way. But we uh, we like to talk about spiritual disciplines as well. It's not something that uh, Lutherans in general have traditionally talked a lot about, but it, but it is during these times too where, where prayer, if you're able to pray, even simple prayers, you know, uh, where scripture reading, where, um, you know, meditation, where worship, uh, uh, taking the sacrament, you know, the sacrament of holy communion, where these things can sustain us in these dry spells as well. Yeah. So, well, thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for your, your testimony, Katie. That was really beautiful. And thank you again so much for being with us, sir, and for your uh, wise insights uh, into, uh, into theology and the life of faith uh, and our relationship with God. Thanks for listening to our listeners. Thank you for, uh, to, the, to the listener who gave us that beautiful question. Um, you can get uh, high quality courses and commentaries and resources and more podcasts and videos and reflections at enterthebible.org. Uh, Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and share the podcast with a friend. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.